wardrobe malfunctions. You've had them, I've had them, everyone we know has had them. Those moments when our clothes absolutely refuse to behave themselves. I'm Susanna Constantine and this is my Wardrobe Malfunction podcast. Each episode I talk to a very special guest about their relationship with clothes. We discuss everything from their comfort blanket to their burial suit and of course hear about their ultimate wardrobe malfunction. In our pyjama party at the end of the show, I hear from you. Please keep your fabulous stories coming in. We love them and can't get enough of them. Email help at mywardmal.com or contact us at mywardmal to tell us more. But now, let's get on to today's guest. A genuine, bona fide, copper-bottomed music legend. Nile Rodgers is a multi-Grammy award-winning composer, producer, arranger and guitarist. He co-founded Chic and has produced work for almost every major artist you've ever heard of. From David Bowie, Diana Ross, Madonna to Pharrell Williams, Lady Gaga, Sam Smith, Daft Punk... His works have sold over half a billion albums and 75 million singles worldwide. And guess what? He's a total fashion freak. Niall is the first ever chief creative advisor at Abbey Road Studios and kindly invited us there to talk about clothes and so, so much more. So, without further ado, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors and find out what's inside. Today, I am with one of my musical heroes, the inimitable, fabulous, gorgeous, handsome, talented Mr. Nile Rogers. Oh. It's true. Oh, come on. And you love it. Look, you've got a no, cheeky little smile. You love being flattered, but it is the truth. No, I actually feel uncomfortable, but it's okay. Okay. Well, don't From be. you, it's fine. It's okay. It's okay. So now, tell me what you are wearing today. You're very tailored, but in a, in a groovy way. Um, I'm incredibly fond of dogs. And um, actually, this I wear, this is a, my last dog died, um, and I can't take the grief any longer. So I actually wear all of his collars. Those are your dog's collars. I thought yeah. they were sort of, you know, some amazing. You got them from Dover Street Market no, or something. No, as a matter of fact, here's something really funny. A few months ago, I was at a Cartier party where they've reintroduced their super, super high-end line. Mm-hmm. Their high-end line. And they had me put on a couple of pieces of jewelry that was worth millions of dollars. And they wouldn't allow me to walk around the place without guards. And everybody thought my dog chains <laughs> were things more big. expensive <laughs> than the jewelry <laughs> that they had me walking around. And everybody kept going, oh, my God. No wonder you've got figured, guards with they, those. Yeah, they were like, yeah. these things must be millions of dollars. Look how heavy they are. Look how big they are. And I'm going, uh, no, it was $25 a piece when I bought them. But they are, they are chain dog collars. And I have to say they do look deeply cool on, on you. Not many people could carry that off oh, thank at you. all. It's like when I think of your fashion at the time in the 80s, you kind of epitomise the sort of baggy trousers and the suits, slightly mm-hmm. Roxy Music, would you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got our early influences uh, from Roxy Music. When I saw them, I had never even heard of them, but the girl that I was dating at the time, that was her favourite band. And after I saw them, I hadn't seen anything like Roxy Music. 
And I immediately left the club and called my partner back in New York and says, we got to do the black version of this. And Sheik was our rock and roll, I'd, I don't know what you would call it, our sort of uh, fantasized theatrical reinterpretation of Roxy music. Roxy music on steroids. I don't know if we were on steroids, but uh, it was the best we could do at the time. And what wound up happening was because we was sort of fashion forward, um, and then I happened to be lucky enough to write the lyric, Halston, Gucci, Fiorucci. (laughs) And the next thing you know, everybody started giving me presents, thinking that I would write a song about Mm. them. (laughs) You know, all the big fashion designers. So we were loaded with, you know, really hip clothing, Everything from Norma Kamali's first and second collection to people like Jane Barnes and uh, Calvin and Hilfig, all all those Mm -hmm. people at the beginning. It was Mm -hmm. amazing. And your stage clothes, were they they designed specifically for your performances or did you get them from designers? The bulk of our stuff is from designers, almost... Uh, most of the stuff is just right off the rack. Yeah. And believe it or not, I still have everything. I was going to say, do you still have yeah, all those yeah, clothes? Yeah. Can I, you still fit into them? Or were you bigger then I than you are you, now? I can put that on and you can see how well really? I fit into it. Yeah. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I fit into it great. This, this is 42 years okay, old. Okay, so tell this. me about this. You know, you're on the road a lot. You're traveling all the time. Right. Is the one piece of clothing that is the equivalent of your comfort blanket? Yes. My little jean jacket um, that I bought about uh, 43 years ago, and uh, it's been with me, and you can see it's still in good shape because I, I hand wash all my own clothing. Do you personally? Personally, yeah. Do you I, really? I hand, absolutely. Okay. I will not let touch anyone touch my clothing. Well, um, you hand wash all your everything. own clothing. That's why everything still looks brand new. You are fucking joking me. Really? No, I'm not joking. What detergent you. do you use? I use any very, very mild detergent. So if I'm at home, yeah. I use Dr. Bronner's um, Castile soap. When I'm on the road, I just take what they, whatever hotel has what they call, um, not the shampoo, but the, oh, the, the, body, the wash. body gel. Yeah. I do that with my knickers. Yeah when I don't take enough <laughs> pairs, instead of wearing them inside out, <laughs> I use the body wash too. But do you yeah. wash your clothes in the bath or in the sink? In the sink. Really? But but if it's something really, really That's large, uh, well, because I do it, in, I do it hand, yeah. you know, one item at a time. So um, if I were to do the tub, it's only because it's something really, really mm. big. But um, so, I do the sink. Okay. And as a consequence, do you travel with fewer clothes? No, I have uh, – tomorrow I leave for Saint-Tropez, and I have five very large bags, and one of them is insanely sizable. It's huge um, because it's all the clothing that I've brought on this tour. Can't you just leave it in the lockup at your hotel? No, because I leave for America after Saint-Tropez. Can't you just get it straight to, I'm going to have to organize your life. Can't you just get it sent straight to America? Or is it too precious? Do you know how much that would cost to send it? Oh. On the plane, it's just my luggage. When you when you travel first class, it's just your yeah. luggage. If you sent it, it would cost a gazillion dollars. So five suitcases. Yeah. And, that, and have you worn everything inside those no, suitcases? No, I didn't actually. Okay. I always overdo it. 
And do you have replica wardrobes? Do you have, or do you have to take clothes with you when you go in between Manhattan and Connecticut? I don't have many things duplicated. The only things that I have duplicated is um, the stuff that Karl Lagerfeld made for my band. Typically, the only shirts that I wear are like these Karl Lagerfeld high collar things. Yeah, they're have, beautiful with I the big hundreds, collars. Yeah, I have hundreds of them. Yeah, so the big collars and two buttons Yeah, at the neckline. They're, yeah. they're great, those. They're a real statement. Yeah, I have hundreds of them. So mm-hmm. when I was around 16 years old, 14, 14 to 16, I worked for Frank Sinatra at the Van Nuys Airport. And that was during the time of... You know, the Rat Pack, Dean Martin, and mm-hmm. those guys, and they all had the high collar shirts with the suits with the thin lapels and the thin ties, but the shirts, the collars, you know, didn't really match. It yeah. was the weirdest thing. So you have these skinny ties, skinny lapels, but the shirts would have these huge collars, and they just look really microscopically small. Mm. But I but- sort of dug it, and it became something that, you know, sort of eye candy that you digest mm-hmm. at a young age, and that's just what looks cool to you, and mm. it stays cool your whole life. Would you say you fell in love with clothes when you were young, or they were put upon you by your grandmother and the blue suede shoes mm-hmm. that she gave yeah, you? At five years old. At fi- I mean, how cool is wow. that? <laughs> did you absorb that, or did you have your own independent interest in style and clothing? Well, I think it's a bit of both. I absorbed it because I thought the blue suede shoes were incredibly cool because I got the Elvis Presley record to go along with it. So my childhood first impression of music was that whenever you got music, you also got a pair of shoes. Um, I don't know why, but, you know, kids think like that, or at least I did. So I associated music with fashion and clothing. And then, you know, I grew up in the hippie era. Mm -hmm. and Which was not a look you ever embraced. Oh, a hippie? oh, I super embraced Did you? I still I can't think I imagine did. I'm, st- that. I'm still a hippie. No, what you're not. Yes, you're, too, you're too tailored. And, and Well, a, a finely tailored hippie. Yeah, okay, finely tailored. <laughs> I used to make a lot of my own clothing, and I sort of still do. Like, I make these hats. I wash, you know, I wash my own clothing. I never let anyone iron my clothing, never let anyone wash my clothing. Never. So ever, do you have, ever. okay. I just um, ever yeah keep going okay I just find that so astonishing it's fantastic but really you know a for, for that some, I have the time to do but, it yeah, yeah how do you find the time because that, um, that's long winded process yeah so typically I only sleep a few hours a night about three hours a night four hours if I'm exhausted so the first thing I do after a show. As soon as I get into my hotel room, I um, I take the clothes that I've just worn and I wash them right away. Wow! I mean, every and that's like suits ritualistic. And the whole bit, suits and everything. How can you wash them? I mean, what happens if you're wearing a sort of mohair and cashmere jacket, or don't you? You See, make now sure. you are now you're talking my language. People don't understand. So, what do you think people did before there was dry cleaning? They sponged them down. Right. 
Yeah. I do it better than that. I wash them. So when I was a child, uh, we used to have a product called Woolite, which they still have, but I, I realized that I don't need Woolite. You just need cold water and a very mild detergent. You can wash anything. I have silk suits that Versace made for me that look brand new. People cannot believe that those suits are that old. Wow. They look brand spanky new. But, and and then- that's silk. And then how how do you dry them with a kind of do you get the sort of the little hairdryer in the bathroom and dry it with a hairdryer? That's how do funny. You you, you <laughs> busted me. I only do that when I need something quickly, but I just let everything just drip dry. But that must take quite a long time, doesn't it? Well, mind you, you doesn't, have got your five suitcases back up. Yeah, it to doesn't be able take as long for my out. hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talking about which, I mean, how do you, how do you, you have the most amazing um, dreadlocks? They're beautiful. How, Thank you. I've always wondered how you keep them clean, or don't you? No, you, you just sh- you you have you shampoo and you wait for hours and hours and wow. hours, and you have to make sure that you wear something that the water stain, uh, and also because. As I've gotten a little older, I color my hair a bit. Um, not as much as I used to because mm-hmm. I've just said to hell with it. Mm. But um, but because you can see I'm a little gray around the temples here. Um, this distinguished. Well, you call it that, but I'm in the rock and roll business. Okay, you just feel old. like an old twat <laughs> graying around the temples. <laughs> so He's um, old. Yeah, man. Look at the gray. Like, you know, so mm. I just put mascara in it. And <gasps> That's so clever. That's what I've got to do. Because look here, I get the grey coming through and it's such a fucking pain. It's and pain. it's expensive because I have to yeah. go to the fucking hairdressers all the time. But I can't get blonde mascara. So what do I do? Well, I don't know. I'm no expert. I just do it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it to anyone else. I just do it myself. Yeah. And how big is your wardrobe at home? It's at- massive. Okay, and you know where every single piece is, do you? More or less. Okay, and do you colour coordinate in your wardrobe? Yes, yes, I do. He says with a massive grin well, with that no, gorgeous just, gap no, of the it teeth. No, it's just because it, it, um, it's quicker. it makes it easy. Yeah. Right. I love the story in, in your book about at the age of 13, you were wearing little shark skin suits. Yeah. I mean, I think back to my kids when they were 13 and... I can't even imagine it. I mean, how did you have, A, the balls? To, uh, yeah, how did you have the balls to put on a shark skin suit when you were 13 years old? Because we were emulating our musical idols just like 13-year-olds do now. The thing is that the, that their idols are just wearing, you know, Nikes and yeah, stuff like exactly. that. And, you know, things that anybody would wear except they wear the most expensive ones you could imagine. Mm. We idolize people like the Temptations and... James Brown, and we dressed like that. And then when I started to idolize Hendrix and people like that, I started to dress like that. So music has always been, and musicians have always been a huge influence on my life. Mm. What's funny is that musicians and scientists, now I don't dress like scientists, but scientists are some of my best friends in the world. Really? Absolutely. I was wondering, have you ever had what we call a wardrobe malfunction, where something has happened. There's been a disaster. You've worn the wrong thing or something's ripped or it's tripped you up or... I almost did. And I have a picture to show you. 
I was going to a, a black tie dinner. And typically when I go to black tie dinners, I'm usually the entertainment. Mm -hmm. So when you're the entertainment, you can sort of get away with murder. Mm -hmm. uh, as a matter of fact, as I've been to you know, Kensington Palace a couple of times, and I just wore like something cool. Mm. And people were looking at me like, going, wow, that's cool. And also people <laughs> expect that of you. You know, you're well, rock and roll. I, I, I guess, maybe. Yeah. But you, you sort of know that you can get away with stuff that, um, and, and I guess maybe I learned that because of rock and roll. Mm. Um, so I, I was going to wear this faux natural python suit to a proper dinner party, a seated dinner party with place cards and the whole bit. And Where <laughs> and was it? It was in New York at someone okay. very, very famous. I can't even say, but okay. someone very famous. It was at their place. Mm -hmm. And it was a big deal. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I thought, wow, this might be cool. And then I realized where I was going. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, no. It was like skin yeah, tight. Fantastic. It was like, you know. but And this was just recently. It was about maybe within the last two years. Okay. And so what did you end up wearing? I did actually go with a proper dinner jacket okay. I wore. It was interesting at that time. I had just won an award uh, for G uh, UK GQ mm -hmm. for Best Dressed Man of the Year. And the dinner jacket that Hugo Boss made for me mm -hmm. is what I wound up wearing to okay. this party. Came in handy. <laughs> I figured, well, if they put me on you know, on GQ, whatever, I'll wear it. To it's got to be all right. Party. Yeah, it was cool. Niall, who are your style icons? Um... So, meaning the way they look or the designers? No, I think the way they look. So, other, you know, other personalities, well-known people, who do you rate? Wow. That, that's odd because in today's world, there's not there's no one. a lot. Of, well, no, no, no. I'm not, I wouldn't say no one, but there's no one that pops to mm. mind because... Um, um, I, I, well, we, we right now we're in an era where people don't mind going as far as I typically go. So I'm starting to see more and more cool-looking people. Mm -hmm. But for the last, you know, 15 or 20 years, I haven't seen people dress that impress that really impresses me, except for women. Mm. Uh, women in rock and roll are incredibly competitive when it comes to their look now, whereas when I started out, it really wasn't about your look, which is why, I guess, chic worked, because mm. we made it about our look. And you were called chic, the band, yeah, so yeah, you were so sort of we setting above you know, yourself. <laughs> yeah. So we had to look mm. cool, but... Um, yeah, I I don't really think, like, I know a lot of people, and I think they're cool. I like the way Pharrell dresses. Mm -hmm. um, I think he looks cool, and he takes chances. I actually wear a lot of his stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I like the way Gaga looks a lot. We'll go out together at, you know, sometimes, mm -hmm. and she blows me away. She's cool. You know, I, th I think Beyonce always looks really amazing. Mm -hmm. um, 
And but, Grace Jones, I think, still oh, Grace, looks incredible. Grace has always looked cool. She's the tip top top yeah, Grace, for me. Yeah, Grace mm. has never not been cool. Mm. And she's always been super cutting edge. And I, I think in a strange way, the reason why Grace and I get along so well is because we are of a similar mindset. Like, I still see the world the way I saw it when I was a teenager. Like, if I went into the most conservative store in the world, I would still find something cool. Because I, mm. I wouldn't wear what... I I guess people say that I don't dress age-appropriate, but I that's just what my eye sees. Mm. I, I wear what I like. Mm. And if I didn't like it, I just couldn't wear it. Yeah. And, that, and that's all the time. I mean, that's just how I dress. I don't have anything that I don't think mm. is cool. I just did a show with Diana Ross a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and she looked amazing. She looked absolutely amazing. And I'm on tour with Cher now. Mm. I mean, Cher comes out looking like Cher. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the first words out of her mouth when she gets on stage is, uh, so what's your grandmother doing tonight? <laughs> so cool. <laughs> She's a legend. With Madonna, I mean, you you discovered... And not created Madonna, but you no, were the first person. You you put her on. You were responsible for putting her on the map. Yeah, I made the uh, what would have been the biggest record of her life until she passed it with Vogue. But mm. it was the biggest record of her life for a long time, and it's still the biggest record of my like life. Like a virgin. Yeah, yeah. That did, album. Yeah. Did you have any influence on the way she, she looked? She no. looked. No. No. She had an influence on the way I looked. Um, my hair is in dreadlocks because of Madonna. When we played Live Aid, I was still wearing what we used to call a fadeaway, where, you, like Grace Jones, where oh, okay, your hair yuck. is flat on the top and mm-hmm. squared. And Madonna said to me, Niall, why don't you, why don't you like wear your hair in dreadlocks? I was like, uh, why? She says, well, you know, I used to go out with Jean-Michel Basquiat, and, you know, and he looked really cool, so I think you would look cool. I went, oh, okay. And she just said it sort of, you know, off the cuff like that. And I didn't really know how to make dreadlocks. So I just started twisting my hair. Actually, I probably should have stayed with the twist because it looks cool. Mm. It looked cool then and it still looks cool now. But what happened was because I didn't know what I was doing, I would twist my hair, twist my hair, and you have to twist every day. And, um, And then someone told me, Hey man, you know if you put beeswax in it, um, you don't have to twist every day. You can you can twist like every three or four days. And I said, really? So I put beeswax in and twisted and twisted. And then one day, I didn't have to twist. <laughs> it locked. I didn't know that that's how you locked your hair. And that then that's the dreadlocks. But you don't have time to twist your hair because you're too well, busy. Well, now I know. But you're do- <laughs> too busy doing your fucking washing. You don't have time for that. <laughs> okay, you've got dogs on your trousers. Yeah, no, they're lions, aren't they? Wolf. That's oh, a wolf. Oh, it's a wolf, okay. So the first dog I ever owned was, uh, uh, was half wolf and half uh, Alsatian or German shepherd. And um, we weren't really sure, but it looked like this. And he was called Tiger, and I adored him. He just was amazing. And because he was almost a feral dog, Mm. it taught me a lot about being able to train dogs. So I've had uh, 
a really great talent for training dogs that are difficult, thank God, because the last dog that I owned was a Dalmatian, and I never knew that Dalmatians were unbelievably difficult. They're neurotic, aren't they? They're ridiculous. Yeah. And that's because of the way that the standard, that was the old standard, I believe, I'm not like a kennel club person, mm. but I believe they've changed the standard, just like with Dobermans. They think their heads were too small for their brain, and when they would get excited, they would bite. And you know how when we were kids, they used to say, don't get a Doberman because they mm. bite their owners. Mm. Uh, but you don't hear them say mm. that anymore. Uh, I think they've changed the standard, and now the, the Doberman's head is larger. So when they get, so when the Doberman gets excited, they don't do the biting okay. thing. But Dalmatians, before they changed the standard, and and I may be speaking incorrectly because I, like I said, I don't, I'm not like, I don't go to dog shows and mm-hmm. kennel clubs and stuff. But my dog was part of the way that they're starting to breed Dalmatians. And he had a rather large head, and he was a big, big dog. And I just loved him, but he was still fairly recalcitrant, Mm. and it took a lot to train him. He went through my window four times after the postman. Um, it It was amazing. After a while, they wouldn't. They wouldn't deliver the mail to my door. Like if you had FedEx mm. or something like that, they'd leave it like outside the fence uh, because he would just jump through the window. So what an open window or a closed window? No, no, no. He'd break the glass. So uh, my apartment—well, not my apartment, my house—I wound up having to put plexiglass in front of the glass because I was tired of him going through the glass. I have and to plus, do that with my children. He would cut. You can come and train them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the um, you, you know, you, I, I'd have to. The only way I'm able to, I was able to break break him out of that habit was, you have to wait until he does it. So, and then immediately the after, right. correct him. Yeah. So I would sit there waiting for somebody to come knock on the door, <laughs> <laughs> so he can go try and run through the glass. Um, but I just loved oh. him so much, and when he died. Um, he died in, in a really horrible way. I went down to give him breakfast, and when I went to feed him, he had gotten old because he was a big Dalmatian, and they were having uh, hip, hip problems, hip problems mm. exactly. So he no longer could sleep in his bed, which is funny because people laugh at me. Well, I, I bought um, a Qing Dynasty bed, and that bed costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, and I used to let my dog sleep. My dog, that was his bed. And uh, and after a while, he could no longer jump up on the bed. So I would let him sleep in the gym. And one day, I went down to the gym to feed him. And the whole gymnasium was covered with blood because his intestines no longer worked. And he was not getting nutrition, even though he was eating. Mm. The food wasn't digesting properly. And I remember carrying him to the vet. My housekeeper and I, we carried him to the car. And he was just dripping blood from both ends, from his mouth and, oh, his, and, his, and his rectum. Yeah. And, and we got him to the vet. And they took a, an x-ray. And they saw that he had cancer that had gotten so big that the tumor had um, basically engulfed his heart. And they thought from the times that I had him 
you know, have checkups. They just thought that his heart was enlarged. Mm-hmm. They had no idea that there was a tumor. tumor. Yeah. So he just died so yeah. horribly. And the fact that I had to carry him and, and, um, yeah, you feel like, I mean, you feel, I've always felt that dogs have real dignity. Mm. And so to die like that, you feel, you know. Broke it's, my heart. It's so, yeah. I don't I know if I've ever really, been that sad. I have my, it's like, I, I, my pet, my dog, I had an amazing dog who was from, he was a, a um, a rescue dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. all my dogs are rescue dogs. He, he would find me. Yeah. So I'd be. We lived in Battersea, and I moved offices, and I from near where we lived to Notting Hill. And this dog had never been there before. And he'd gone for a walk with um, someone who was helping me look after the kids, and he pissed off out of Battersea Park. And she called me up. She said, "I don't know where Archie is. He's disappeared." Anyway. Two hours later, I was going out to go and buy a sandwich, and he'd found his way to where I was. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he found. He crossed the he crossed Hyde Park, Kensington Gardens, Bayswater Road, and found his way there. And he died exact not the same, um, but again he he was bleeding, and oh, I cried more than when my parents died. Yeah. Sorry, mum and dad, but no, I but cried I more. You. Yeah. So you know the thing is, is that the story that you just told me. I have one that's exactly like really? that. I was dog sitting for a friend of mine. She says, do you mind if my dog stays here? And he actually sort of looked like this. He was mm. an Australian Kelpie. And she says, um, can you take care of my dog for about two weeks? And I said, sure. About three years later, she picked him up. No. Three years. No. And do you not like, hear from her in those three years? sparsely, but uh, I couldn't believe it. So after three years, he was my dog. And then she came and she got him and she moved to a town that was near me in Connecticut, but not that near. It was near by car, but by dog, it was really far. (laughs) And it was, and where I live is I live, um, on a peninsula, mm-hmm. there's only one way in and one way out, mm-hmm. and it's over water and highways and whatever. And somehow, uh, this dog traveled twenty something miles. Uh, she called me one morning after she came and took the dog back. I was like crying. He was crying. I was like, "Oh, come on, you know." Mm. But it was her dog. I, you know, I couldn't say to her, "Well, he's not my dog." But anyway, she took him back, and about. Four or five days after she took him, uh, she called me up crying like a baby. And I said, what's wrong? He says, I don't know where Astro is. I can't find him. He's gone. And I said, oh, my God. Um, have you called the police or whatever or let the neighbors know? And she says, yeah, I put signposts up all around and what have you. And so I listened to a story for as long as I could, and then I had to go to work. And as I was leaving my house, I opened the door and Astra was sitting on my porch. No. no. <laughs> and I called 20 her and said, miles. Yeah, but not 20 straight miles. I mean, you have no idea. This is dog dog there, miles. Yeah, there yeah, was and and it's not like she walked him from my house to her house. That's it's amazing. It's amazing. I have no idea yeah. how he negotiated backyards and water and the main thing was he had to negotiate the roads. Four lane. Yeah, so eight lane highway. And people driving like wow. maniacs like I do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, 
And he wound up back at my house sitting right on my porch. Did you keep him after that? No, of course not. I called oh. her and says, I have asteroids right here on my front porch. Mm. And you would think that that would break her heart. And she would say, you know what? He I guess was, he's really yeah. your dog. Yeah. Nope, she no. didn't. And so with all these clothes, Niall, and a, a lifetime of clothing, when the sad day comes and you're going to be popped into a casket, what would be your burial suit when well, you move on to the next life? Well, I, I'm not going to be buried. So. Okay. Cremated. Or whatever. Gonna go, what are you going to go up in flames in? Yeah. I actually thought this through a bit. When my partner Bernard Edwards died, he died in Japan. And in Japan, they bury the bodies almost right away. So when I went to the police station to identify the body, they put together a makeshift Buddhist temple in the police station. And when I got there, his body was in a coffin that had a glass front, and he was in a white kimono. Wow. And I thought to myself, oh, that looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to wear a kimono, but I think uh, a white suit, which is what sort of chic, and that's what Karl Lagerfeld did for us. We made a whole bunch of white suits and then mm -hmm. a whole bunch of black suits. So uh, for a while, chic, we would only perform in white suits, mm -hmm. and this was for years, and this was our sort of dedication and tribute to Bernard. People didn't know why we were doing it. And what happened was, if you just look back at the history of pop music lately, just go back a few years and you'll notice everybody started wearing white, white clothing yeah. to perform. And that's because we were wearing these white suits and, you know, and people were impressed by the, the sort of uniformity of the look. But that really was due to Karl Lagerfeld doing the, all this stuff for us. Mm. It was really cool. Niall, again, in your book, I read, well, the time when you basically died. Um, I died a few times. But in yeah. the fifth. So, yeah. I mean, you've, you've come through, you, you've kind of been and come back many times. How many yeah. lives do you think you've, you've had? Oh, you, Jesus. Dying and coming back. Uh, this how is many horrible. I'm how working many? on cats now, okay. and, and I died eight times. <laughs> um, oh. My heart stopped eight times. Um, cats have nine lives. Really? Oh, eight yeah. times? Eight times, yeah. And they say, you know, there's all these weird things that they say um, that are scientifically based but are not absolutism. So, uh, they are, you know, they're, they're more likely to be true but not absolutely mm -hmm. fact. Um, so they say that every time you code, every time your heart you know, stops mm. every time you flatline, it takes this amount of time off of your life. I flatlined eight times. So would I have lived to have been like really old um, because I'm going to turn 67 really soon mm. or am I going to die in like an hour or two? No, you're not. Well, I hope, all I can say is I hope you got a white suit next door just I, in well, case. Well, I have four white suits <laughs> that I brought on this oh. tour, so... I always give someone a little present to have survived the life you had and have had and to continue. This is a little gold medal to say, well done for surviving oh, for so you. long. And that's here's to many more lives. Oh. And you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you, you darling. Oh, no, Rob. 
Rogers, what an extraordinary and delightful guy. Thanks so much to him for having us at Abbey Road, and I just loved talking to him. And now it's just us. It's the pyjama party, the part where you tell us about your clothing disasters. And today we have a Valentine's Day special. Jane? Hello, Susanna. Oh, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. And I have to say, your story about your malfunction literally has made my year. <laughs> I, cannot, I can't believe what happened to you. So you now have to tell all our listeners. Okay, okay. Well, I was going to uh, a rather smart, well, with a smart set, so I thought to a dance, a Valentine's dance. And I didn't know them really. It was what's dress code? Mm-hmm. So they said, such a cocktail, you know. So I thought, God, I better get dressed up. I knew there was a guy going to be there that I was really keen on. So um, so I went off and I got this really, really slinky dress, sort of all shiny red, and it, there wasn't any room to breathe in it. And mm-hmm. uh, so I got a nice pair of strappy sandals and hair going on, red lips, red uh, sandals, and red handbag. Looking pretty hot, I thought, you mm-hmm. know, but we were all hot in those days. And um, so I, off I went, and then I arrived at the venue, and I thought, oh, my God, I've got the wrong date. I've got the wrong venue. <laughs> Everybody's in jeans. <sighs> and, you know, and you're thinking, no, please, no. So I thought, okay, I've got two choices here. Get back in the taxi or just brazen it out. So I thought, hmm, I'll just brazen it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking. At least this chap might look at me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I went to the bar and had a bit of Dutch courage mm-hmm. and then decided to, you know, go go up with these friends to the loo and we made up again and chatted and what have you. Came back out of the loo and it's like the loo was on, was on the, the next floor, if you like, like a medicine floor. So it had a really steep steps going down to a hallway. Mm-hmm. So I was in these really, really high heels. And I was chatting and, and uh, thought, right, okay, there's that guy. Let's swing the hips. Let's, let's give it everything. And I just went from the top to the bottom. <laughs> oh, sweet <laughs> Jesus. And I was thinking, no, 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 no. Because the thing was, um, I'd gone commando. Oh, my God, Jane. <laughs> I couldn't get anything on to leave the dress. <laughs> oh, my God. So I was there. Legs again, <laughs> my hair all over the place, and uh, yeah, they got they got to know me as well as my gynaecologist. Oh my god! So you were at the bottom <laughs> of the stairs, full penthouse pose, yeah, actually much, hustler, yeah. even not even penthouse, or playing a full on yeah. porno. <laughs> Reader's wife. <laughs> How did you recover from that? Um, with great difficulty, <laughs> some extra, extra Dutch courage. Oh. Um, and what happened to the guy? That you found Sid. What? <laughs> but I did divorce him later. Oh, so that's right. okay. But you know <laughs> what? It that just goes to show. Okay, that's a trick. Anyone who's looking for a man, wear a tight red dress, fall down the stairs, and oh, flash I... your fanny, and you'll get your man. There you go. There you, you don't go. Need to go on Tinder or anything like this. Yeah. Just, just, just break a leg. Oh, my God. Well, that was, like I said, Jane, that has literally made my year. And anything (laughs) that happens to me from now on will never be as bad as that. No, I'm sorry. Your tits in the soup is not. Yes, nothing by comparison. I mean, they weren't royalty, fair enough. No, but still. 
But you know what? You are such a darling to share that with us. Thank you so much. Well, at least there weren't any selfies in those days. Yeah, thank God Can for you that. Imagine? No, I can't. I don't want to imagine. No, even. let's unsee let's that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my darling. Well, listen, you take care and, and thank you so much for, for speaking to me. I really appreciate Not it. Ah, oh, we're near the end. Hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. If you have, please tell your friends and family, colleagues and even random people in the street and give us a five-star rating and review as it helps others find us. And if you've come to us for the first time, go back and binge on some of our other brilliant guests. Before we go, thanks to our glorious house band duo. Find and follow them at Duo Guitar Music. Thanks again to the wonderful Nile Rogers, and of course, thanks to you guys for listening. Catch up soon. Until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Closed.